Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin, and joining me today is Ed Cousins of Reverend and the Makers and... Ed is, uh, well, we chatted to me just ahead of releasing his solo record, and uh, you're in for a treat, because it's, uh, it's a lovely chat. Um, before we get on with it, um, just a few thank yous. So thanks to 76 for producing the podcast, uh, and thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody over at the Distraction Pieces uh, Network, which is somewhere that you should go and have a little look, because you can catch... Um, if you like films, then there's films to be buried with by Brett Goldstein. Uh, there's Say Why to Drugs by Dr. Susie Gage. There's Stop and Search with Jason Reed. There's Hardcore Listing with Chris and Stu. That's a good one. Um, and, oh, there's so many more. Dan LaSac's got a podcast over there, Mama Mama, uh, wrestling podcast. There's, there's stacks. So go, go and explore the Distraction Pieces Network. And if I, have I missed anyone? I don't think so. Only the guy that, that, that runs it, Scroobius Pit, but don't worry about him. He's got enough listeners as it is. Um, but obviously go and check out uh, Pip's podcast because it's, you know, aside from uh, being my mate and uh, and the fella that has helped sort of facilitate, you know, my, my ventures into podcasting, um, fiercely proud to see what he's achieved in, 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 in this market because, you know, when when you start looking at the people that, that Pip sat and chatted to, it's, it's, it's remarkable. So um, if for some reason you listen to this and you don't listen to uh, Distraction Pieces, um, I imagine most of you have kind of ventured over to Off the Beaten Track via listening to Pip. But if you haven't uh, ever listened to Distraction Pieces, then go and do it because um, it's, uh, it's a, a masterpiece. It really is. It's, it's, it's my favourite podcast. And I'm not just saying that because he's me, mate, because... Yeah, you know, he gets enough people telling him how great he is. So uh, every now and again, I don't mind uh, massaging his ego. So yeah, go and check that out. Um, and also, if you enjoy this podcast, um, once you get to the end of my chat with Ed, then go and have a rummage in the archives because you will get an opportunity to uh, access for free over 240 episodes of this podcast where you will hear me chatting to some amazing musicians, actors, producers, DJs, comedians, um, artists as diverse as uh, Melanie Sierra Spice Girls, Chuck D of Public Enemy, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue, Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Fatboy Slim. Oh, there's, there's, there's a stack going. And if you like your comedians, uh, Ed Gamble, James Acaster, Rich Wilson, Jade Adams, there's more, I'm sure. Um, 
go and have a rummage and, uh, and give them a listen. And if you'd like to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is head over to Patreon. So I have a, a Patreon page which accompanies this podcast. If you're unsure of what Patreon is, it's like a kind of supporting platform it's like a social media so each week i post on there and i post up four shows that i don't release to the to the general public uh they're unique for patreons and i put up video episodes of some of your favorite chats that i've had um over there so you can watch them uh, and so much more and uh, and what it also does it enables you to kind of support the podcast because this is a labor of love it's it's my favorite labor of love um but for about 71p a week uh, you get four extra episodes, um, radio shows and stuff like that. So um, you can find out about all of this stuff and merch and everything else at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I think I'm done with the waffling now, so uh, we can get on to some, uh, some much more interesting waffle, and, uh, and that will come courtesy of today's guest. So it gives me great pleasure to say please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Ed Cousins. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. And we are recording, sitting opposite me today, Ed Cousins. Hey, how you doing? Hello there. I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, not too bad considering. And it's, uh, it's a question yeah. that I guess you have to kind of kick any kind of conversation off. Now, no one talks about the weather anymore, Ed. Everyone's no, it's just... always like, how you doing? And like, oh, I'm all right, considering. It's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Always well, I'm just, I'm interested to know uh, how you found the last sort of 10 months, just for, for the purpose of the recording. We're recording this on the 11th of Jan, and uh, we're, we're, we're back in the thickness of uh, lockdown. Mm. Just how you found the last 10 months as, not just as a human, but as a creative as well. Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, on a, on a human level, it's been uh, it's been incredibly tough, hasn't it? I mean, it's it's something that I don't think anybody. Well, I suppose <laughs> some people, I think, in in their own way, have predicted something like this might happen. But you know, I don't think anybody actually thought that it would actually be a, a thing to happen. But um, yeah, it's uh, I think just that kind of the, the 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 connection that you crave as like a human being, you know, and 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 the the, the kind of social nature of our our how we operate you know it's uh to then suddenly be forced into having none of that i mean some people literally none of it you know I've, i'm lucky enough that i've got family wife and kids that i've been able to sort of be with and but obviously some people have had nothing at all and it's just it's on, on a, just a basic kind of mental sort of human level it's it's just been insane hasn't it and and i don't think anybody was quite prepared for it um obviously <laughs> so but i mean on a creative level I mean, it's been it's been a weird kind of time, hasn't it? Obviously, we uh, we've had gigs cancelled left, right, and centre, and tours and things, and you know the, the the kind of mainstay of our livelihoods has just evaporated almost overnight, you know, um, which has obviously been incredibly difficult. Um, but you know, as as a creative person, and and as a lot of creative people are, it's it's something that you can kind of delve into to help you through certain situations like this particularly and and uh, you can still be creative mm-hmm. you know you don't have to sort of be out in the big wild world you, world. you can just be in a room with a guitar or a piano or a, a, an easel you know a, a canvas or whatever it is your your medium is so I think to be able to carry on as a creative person it's been really interesting and, and the time as well to do that 
which often you don't really get afforded. You know, you find little pockets of time here and there because you're busy and you're doing whatnot and this, that and the other. And, and then to suddenly find yourself sat with literally weeks not doing anything, yeah. it's like, oh, right, okay, this is what being able to sort of actually sort of think about something feels like. And and I think it, it's, it's, it's created a lot of interesting sort of art and creativity, hasn't it? Obviously, everything sort of, people helping each other out on the internet with all the the kind of the songs that they're doing. I did a few songs early on in the first lockdown, you know, just sort of playing and trying to help sort of keep people's spirits up. And I think a lot of people got into that, which was amazing to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a weird one. And obviously in terms of releasing material, obviously with, with, with my record that's coming out, we've, we sort of had to sort of put that on hold a little bit and then we've decided to release it. And now as we've gone back into lockdown again, I think we've decided to put it back again for a couple of months just to, just to give us half a chance of getting out and actually promoting it properly, you know, and, and cause it's like, that's such a big part of it, you know, for me anyway, to be able to get out and see people and play it for people. So, you know, it's, it's just a weird one, isn't it? So uh, hopefully there's an end in sight coming. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know. I think you're right, though. I do think it, you know, when when creative people are kind of restricted, you know, by what by, by the things that they're used to doing, I do think that that sort of punk ethos kicks in and it's like, mm-hmm. what, what, have I got, what have I got at my disposal here? What can I do with that? And then I think yeah. from that does come interesting things, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Well, let's talk records, and uh, yes. uh, and for track one, Ed, I'm going to ask you the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what a question that is. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot of great intros out there, and it, it took me a minute to kind of think. Well, I mean, what 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 makes an intro truly memorable? Mm. You know, I mean. One of my initial thoughts was like something like uh, Voodoo Child, Jimi Hendrix, you know, that, that wah guitar and the way it comes in, um, or Purple Haze, you know, any, any kind of Hendrix stuff, really. It's, it's all memorable. I mean, there's Led Zeppelin, you know, a whole lot of love. That riff, is, is it a riff-based thing that it catches you? Or, you know, then there's, there's I mean, other things like, uh, like Sweet Child of Mine, Guns N' Roses. As soon as that riff kicks in again, it's like, wow, what an intro, you know. Uh, it's quite sort of uh, up its own arse, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm, very, I'm always uh, interested you know. as to like the, the yeah. angle that people approach this at because you know yeah. you, you've lent straight away on to like kind of classic kind of big guitar intro riffs, and yeah. and, and they've been you know like uh, a lot of people have chosen Voodoo Child previously, and it is it's yeah. an absolute belter, isn't it? But I'm also interested that sometimes people also sort of I mean I know what your choice is, and it's the complete opposite of you know some people choose like huge long drawn out intros that can go on for like yeah. four minutes you know pink floyd stuff and things like that that you just think okay is that an intro is that just you know half the song uh, yeah uh, well then, exactly pink floyd definitely yeah, yeah. and then yeah, you've I'll, got like hip-hop you know like breaks yeah. like some of the, you yeah, know yeah. so many like incredible breaks of like well i mean uh, rapper's delight you know oh, what an intro that is instantly bang you're just like wow you know it's such a such a moment isn't it but I'll, yeah. I'll let you introduce yours because I've got to be honest. I thought loads of people would have chose this, and you're the first. So in, really? in 260 okay. episodes of this, you're the first wow. one to choose this, and it, it wouldn't be far from my choice as well. Amazing. Well, well, the, the, the choice is uh, "Hard Day's Night" by the Beatles, literally because it's one chord and 
not only does that one chord somehow epitomise just that whole sound and genre almost, you know, one hit, it's, but it's just, it's just, it's so simple and it's so, it hooks you in immediately. It's like, as soon as it comes on, you, your ears are pricked and you're like, yeah. what was that? And then it's been in a heart and you're in, it's like, whoa. And yeah, it's just so, the simplicity and just the beauty of the, I mean, there's such an amazing chord as well, you know, and the way it sounds, just everything about it. I don't, I don't think, I mean, also for the time it came out and it was kind of you know, the beginning of that whole kind of revolution in, in sort of music and, and bands and the culture and everything. I think it's just, yeah, it, to me, it stands out as, as something that's, you, you can have all your big riffs and your, your like amazing sort of long, like you said, drawn out intros, but that just like, bang. Yeah. What more do you need? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, in regards to something so instantaneous like like um, Hard Day's Night, I just want to ask you, I, I like to ask musicians this, and in regards to like intros, uh, with, with songwriting and, and songwriting in general, um, from from the early days of, of, of uh, Reverend Makers and things through to now, in those earlier days, I'm imagining this was probably pre-Spotify and lots of streaming services. Um, yeah. I just wonder how it's affected the way that you write songs now insofar as how how people listen to music now, how it feels so much more, and I don't mean, I, I, I don't mean, I don't know if disposable is the greatest way mm-hmm. to, to, to describe that, but so fast paced and um, it feels now, especially in the pop market, there's, there's no fat on the bone. There's like start with a chorus and yeah. uh, you know, and do you know where I'm going with this kind of question? Yeah, I've been struggling with this question for 200 plus episodes to try and yeah, nail it right. Been- I think there's a diff. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a different world now to sort of songwriting, particularly regarding sort of the, the, the pop world and, and yeah, stuff that that kind of you know you you see does well on sort of streaming sites and all the rest of it. It's uh, yeah, when we even when we started out, yeah, sort of uh, however long, fifteen years ago, whatever it was, there was still a little bit of kind of we have a, 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 an intro that will grab you and then. Yeah, it's a bit more of a classic kind of songwriting approach verse, and then you get to the chorus. You don't want to be too long getting to the chorus and all that, but there was still a little bit of progression. Whereas now, I think you're right. It's it's everything's so instantaneous, isn't it? Everything's so sort of like you said, disposable. That if a song hasn't got some kind of like instant like hook chorus bang off the start, and it's almost like the intro is just something that the sort of like a Radio 1 DJ can talk over for two seconds and then it's sort of the chorus kind of thing. It doesn't really, you know, whereas some of the stuff we discussed, like, you know, like, it's like the Guns N' Roses track, for example, as soon as that kicks in, it's so loud and so brash, you can't talk over it. You've got to listen to it and think, all oh, right, I'm into, a, into a, an interesting bit of music here. And I think, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a different world that we live in. And I think there's still a place for, for, the, for the sort of more classical side. And I think it's still very much out there. You just maybe... Uh, it's maybe not in the public conscious as much as it used to be, and I think you have to sort of delve a bit deeper to find it, which uh, is a shame. But I think that's just sort of the way of the world now, unfortunately. Yeah, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, for track two, Ed, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've chosen a song that, I mean, it's not necessarily the, the very, very first song that maybe has some kind of emotional uh, resonance with me but it's it's the one that whenever I still hear it to this day takes me back to the exact sort of moment that I heard it and what, what I was feeling at the time and I think that kind of strong emotional connection is is the thing that's made me cho- cho- choose this track and uh, it's a track called On and On by the Long Pigs who were of Sheffield band um, huge fans of them at the time I was probably uh, 14, I think, 14, 15, when their first record came out, which this song was on. And it was that kind of part of your life, you know, you, you're obviously sort of getting into your, probably into your teenage years, you, you're having your first forays into, you know, finding a girlfriend or whatever and, you know, being dumped or, you know, having that kind of real emotional thing that you maybe not had previous to that point growing up. Um, and this is definitely that song for me. It was... Uh, I think I remember I must, I must have been sort of reeling from some kind of you know, being dumped or something and hearing this song and the lyrics and the music and just uh, it really struck a chord with me and, and evoked, yeah, I said to this day, when even if I hear it now, it comes on now and I'm so, so I just have to stop and just think, oh, you, you get that emotion, you get, you, you know, when a song takes you somewhere that you've been before and it's still that strong emotional connection to me. So I think yeah, it, was, it was definitely this track. It's a it's a beautiful record. It's a be- it's a, it's a, such an underrated album as well. Yeah, and it, and, it and early doors, uh, 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 they just released Jesus Christ, which was the first single, I believe. Yeah. Um, and we supported them on a couple of shows uh, at the time when I was doing sort of music and stuff. And uh, unbeknown to me, you know, I, I had no idea Richard Hawley, you know, would go on to do what Richard Hawley had done. Um, mm. But only hearing Jesus Christ and thinking that was an incredible record. And um, obviously, we, we you, you know, you, you watch the band that you're supporting. And and I remember hearing She Said and thinking, oh, my God. And then I remember hearing Lost Myself and thinking, yeah. wow, this this band knows what they're doing. And then yeah. I heard On and On, and I was like, 
this record's going to do things for this band. Like, because yeah. Jesus Christ hadn't had commercial success, I don't think. No, but no, no. On and on, that was the one that just seemed to just yeah. push it out. Well, I mean, what, I mean, record. you kind of look at you look at the you know, the people in that band. I mean, obviously, Hawley is an absolute legend. You know, he's, he's obviously gone on to do what he's done, like as you say, and and he's an incredible songwriter, incredible musician as well, more than anything. And then you had other people who were who were. Uh, a bit less now. I'm obviously, I think Crispin, the singer, is pretty well known as a songwriter and stuff now, yeah. and, and he's quite active with, with I think, sort of musicians' union. That's places. right, yeah. Um, so he's obviously still sort of quite active. But then there are people like and that, the people played bass in that band, a guy called Simon Stafford, mm. who uh, played uh, with Joe Strummer, the Mescaleros. He was a trombone player for Joe Strummer. Really? Yeah, and as, as just he's just an incredible, he is a walking Beatles encyclopedia. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you say, oh, how, what are the cause of this song? Like some really obscure track. Oh, it's this, mate. Uh, and he'll just play it, you know, perfect. He's just an absolute genius. So when you've got a band full of people like that, it's, yeah, the, the, the amount of, of quality and creativity that they produced, it's no surprise to me, really. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was amazing. Because you're all right in saying that, because um, they were signed to Mother Records, weren't they? Uh, I don't know exactly, but yeah, that sounds about right. And if, and if I'm correct in, in, in this. I think that was a label set up by you too. I might be wrong. Right, okay, uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, love them or hate them, uh, I, I believe that one of the things that they also done within that was put together these like buses that were like mini sort of recording studios that they would sort of drive around. Well, obviously, I'm not suggesting the Edge was just driving a bus around like <laughs> <Yeah>. Belfast, <laughs> but uh, but but like yeah, unsigned bands could like go in and and, and record demos and stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure I probably didn't put much of a dent in their bank balance, but um, but I'm sure Mother was was set up by them. Yeah, um, amazing, yeah. And uh, and and yeah, and that was uh, Long Peaks were one of the, the first signings, and the second album seemed to kind of pass by quite quite mm. quietly, and and then yeah. it just seemed that then that seemed to be it for them, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's such a shame because that, that debut, I think, is, is just a, a spectacular it record, and and it's one of them records, Ed. I don't, you know, you know, if you feel the same, but. Every now and again, you sort of, you mention it to someone, and people are like, "Man, I fucking love that record." Yeah, it, it's yeah. like I think. Well, it, it, interesting. It, I think it was the what was it twenty fifth? It was the twenty fifth anniversary this year of that record last oh, year. Don't sorry. say that, um, mate. Really? I know. Yeah, tell me about it. But <laughs> my wife Rachel, it's like she literally idolised them. Um, absolutely loved that record, and I managed to get hold of it. They, they re-released it on blue vinyl. Oh, so I managed wow. to get older one and I got Hawley and, and Simon to, to sign it for a, as a as like a birthday present last year. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's it's an amazing album and, and yeah, she she's obviously a huge fan. In fact, she randomly lived with Simon Stafford for a bit, which was really weird. And I think she she found that quite strange because he brought one of his gold discs and sort of put it on the bathroom wall. Like you do, insane, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all that kind of weirdly inbred musical Sheffield musical kind of thing going on, but yeah. It's, uh, Okay, well, I'm sure we'll talk Sheffield some more as uh, yeah. this podcast unfolds. But right now, I'm going to um, take you back to school, Ed, and, uh, and the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Yeah, well, there was only one choice for this for me, um, and that was Rock and Roll Star by Oasis, who obviously, uh, again, that sort of mid-90s period, and I was sort of uh, starting at secondary school and stuff, and that was that was huge, and you know, one of the factors, obviously, that's, that, that got me playing guitar and, and, and 
wanting to sort of be in a band and stuff, you know, classic kind of, it's a little bit cliched in it now, but it's, it's true, you know, it's, it's what happened. And um, I remember for, uh, definitely maybe came out and again, I think, I think at that point I must have been sort of 12 or 13 and I got it on CD and I got a CD player for my birthday uh, that year, just starting school, so it's my birthday September. And uh, it had like an alarm function on this CD player that you could play the CD that was in as like an alarm. So I definitely may be in, and then literally for it must have been literally the whole first year. I think I, I woke up to rock and roll star every morning <laughs> on the CD player. So that just it just says everything about my kind of school school life. It's, it's, every time I hear it, I'm just, I'm back in my little bedroom at mum and dad's house, waking up like to go to school every morning. I mean that fire you up first thing in the morning. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was, that was it was quite a start to the day. I'm gonna tell you that. Our, um, how did you find school? Uh, great to be honest I can't I can't really I can't realise it. it was you know it had its ups and downs obviously but you know I went to a, a great school and and and, and luckily had a, a really sort of good set of mates and you know uh, obviously you, you, some fall by the wayside along the way but you know it's uh, you know it was a really sort of good time and, and being able to find people at at school who kind of shared the same sort of ideas and joys that I did with music particularly and like I said obviously I started in bands at school you know playing guitar with my mates and we had a little band and we used to play in like assemblies and stuff and get up in front of everyone and you know, do a little Beatles cover and and then and then you know from there progressing to sort of playing in the sort of local pubs as we got a bit older and then doing a little turn and just finding all those people it, it was amazing really so yeah I can't I can't really say it was it was anything other than great, to be honest. Um, you, was you a confident kid then, getting up and playing in front of a lot? Well, strangely, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think so. And I'm, I'm naturally a very sort of quiet person. I'm, I'm, I'm very much the opposite to somebody like, like John in, in, in Reverend, who's obviously very sort of outgoing and very loud. I'm very much the opposite of that. And, and I still, even, even to this day, I kind of surprise myself at times that I'm sort of doing what I do and... But I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was, rather that 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 kind of yeah allowed me to sort of get up and play in front of the rest of our you know, kind of your, your, your school group, which is quite a big thing at that age. You know, yeah. sort of 14, 14, 15 and, and getting up and strumming your guitar and singing in front of the whole year. It's, yeah. uh, so looking back, I mean, I, I've never actually fully thought about that. Really, I don't. I don't quite know what it was that that got me to do that. I remember. I remember the very very first time we did it. Um, it was just like a school assembly concert thing, like end of year thing. And uh, yeah, me and me and my pal who, who I was sort of playing guitar with, we, we just got up and I said, did a couple of Beatles songs. And I remember being really nervous. But it was that thing that once we kind of got onto the stage, it, it all just kind of, we just did it, you know, and went away. And I think that's probably what stayed with me, I guess. Yeah. That kind of feeling that once you kind of get out there and you're doing it, you know, it's that that's the that's the thing you're doing it for. You know, it's all the kind of the nerves and stuff. It, it, it all subsides, really. The joy that you got from doing that. Did, did you know did, at school? Did you think I want to be a musician? Was there anything else that you considered as you know at school that you was going to try and become? Um, I, I remember when I was mu- a lot younger. I always want. I was because I love sport as well. I was mad into sport. I, I sort of play and watch everything I, I possibly could at that age, and um, so I always kind of thought, oh, I'll be, I'll be like a PE teacher or something. You know, that that was kind of. 
I think my, my sort of first default sort of position. But yeah, I think with the music thing, I, 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 yeah, a fire had obviously got lit inside that I, I thought, oh, I'd, I'd love to do this, you know. And and but whether I actually thought at that point I would end up doing it you know, as a proper full time career, I, I, I can't say I did. But um, I think. I was in. I was fortunate enough, I think, to to sort of, I say, have a group of people that I could be in bands with, and then obviously I, I, I kind of went through the uni system and did all that, and which kind of allowed me to sort of just not have to get a job, you know, that kind of thing, and 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 stay in bands and keep playing and keep doing it, and and eventually, you know, something just obviously with with the Reverend thing, it kind of clicked, and um, I was I was still young enough by that point to not have to have worried that oh, I need to go and get a career. Yeah, I'm, I could still work, you know, do bar work and temping work, and to see me through sort of doing all that side of it. So yeah, it was uh... from from an outsider looking in uh, on, on Reverend and the Makers. Uh, for me, you know, I, I, I'm you know long sort of run a, a venue and, and you know an alternative venue, and it, it felt the minute I got sent the promo of that single, all of a sudden that band was everywhere and you know there was interviews with, with with John all over the you know the the music papers and things like that how did how did you find that kind of i mean it, i'm i'm sure there was lots of kind of you know tours of toilet circuits and the usual stuff yeah. that you have to do to get there but it felt as like I say, as an outside looking it happened very quickly and i just wondered like you know to to kind of find yourself you know having you know commercial success and and all the kind of things that come with that. How did you find that? Um, it was, I mean, yeah, it did, it did happen. It did happen relatively quickly once it did start to, to kind of go. Although there was, I mean, I've known John since we were at school, so I've, I've always had that kind of um, sort of relationship with him and, and that's obviously been a long-standing thing. So, but I think in terms of the band taking off, yeah, when, when Heavyweight sort of dropped... I think things did snowball quickly and we'd suddenly did, I remember that first year, year and a half, you know, we did an awful lot of stuff, touring around, playing everything, you know, gigs, festivals, tours, TV stuff. There was so much going on. I don't think you, I don't think we really thought about it at the time. Um, And I think because of that sort of intensity, there was, there was obviously, it was quite difficult at times. There was, there was uh, uh, sort of a few different egos flying around in the band at the time, and I think that that didn't didn't help. And um, yeah, I think it wasn't until a couple of years later when we started making the second record that that we kind of realised, you know, where we'd got to and what we what we'd kind of been through um, with, with those early 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 kind of things. Um, and yeah, I think obviously there were there were a couple of uh, a couple of people left the band in the early days, and then after the second record, a couple more people left, and a couple more people joined. So it was a bit, it was a roller coaster um, to say the least. Um, but you know, still some incredible times and some incredible experiences. Um, you know that that um, the kind of that, that that made the band what it was. You know. Yeah, uh, we, we we used to joke um, that all the kind of ups and downs at the time. We used to call it Revenders. So <laughs> another episode of Revenders, you know, it was it was one of those kind of kind of things. But then when you when you kind of living literally living with, I mean, at the time there were seven people in the band. You know, it was, mm. it was pretty crazy. Plus all the crew and everything that we were touring with. When you kind of in such intense spaces with the, with with a group of people, you know, there's there's bound to be sort of 
um, tensions and, and things. But, you know, it, it was all part and parcel. But I think also in those early days when, you know, we, the, there was a, a bit more of a punky kind of ethos to the to the live show and, and everything. It kind of added to the intensity of it all and, and the yeah. kind of excitement. And I think a lot, a lot of people uh, in those early days kind of fell in love with and cotton onto and, and why they've kind of stayed with us till now, you know. Yeah. It's that kind of early kind of excitement and they were all with us while we were doing it, we were all kind of one, you know, it was, it was, it was there was no real separation between the band and the audience. Yeah. You know, I think, I think obviously the way John was, was very key with that. And we were all very much kind of like, you know, let's everyone kind of get involved together sort of things. So. Yeah. Well, let's stay in the formative years because for track four, I'm going to ask you the first thing you ever buying from a record shop. Yes. So, well, there's, there's, there's two sides to this. Um, there is the first actual thing I went into a shop to buy, which was the uh, cover version of I'm a Believer by Vic and Bob on an old little cassette. And, 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 and EMF. Yes, sorry, EMF, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, don't forget, can't forget EMF. Uh, so that was the first thing I remember going into a shop and you know, putting me, me pound or whatever it was on the counter for the, for the little cassette in the, you know, the little cardboard slips you used to get. Um, but the, the first kind of album that I bought with my own money was, um, it was a sort of a, uh, a purchase off my sister, my older sister, who, um, I, I don't quite, I, cause she wasn't that much older. So I don't quite know how she'd managed to swing it, but she'd got a, a membership of, you remember Britannia music club Yeah, back in the day. Um, she 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 was getting albums from them, which I still can't quite work out. She might didn't you have to be eighteen or something to do that. But anyway, um, so and she got a couple of cause they used to send you freebies, I think, to sort of entice you in every yeah. sort of month. And then if you liked them, you'd keep them or you'd send them back. Or, yeah. And she got um, a copy. They sent her a copy of uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic uh, Chili Peppers album. And I was like, oh, I like that, I like that. And she says, well, if you want it, you're buying it. And I'm like, oh, all right. And so I scraped all my pocket money together. And oh, she flipped it to you. <laughs> and she, she sold it to me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I paid for it, but we kept it, obviously. So, yeah, that, that was the first kind of album that I'd, I'd bought with my own money. So, which is, I mean, I love, I love it to this day. That album's a fantastic album. So was that around the time it had come out, or had it been out a while then? I mean, yeah, we're probably talking, yeah, sort of 93, 94. I don't know when it came out. I think it was, I don't know when it came out. I, I reckon that came out about early 91, yeah. Yeah, so maybe a couple of years after that. But Yeah. yeah so was exactly. that just a case of hearing sort of under the bridge and give it away? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, obviously I was, I was aware of under the bridge. Um, the rest of it, not so much. Um, but I think, yeah, it was uh, with my new CD player that I'd got. I uh, stuck it on and yeah, yeah, sort of fell in love with it. Really, have you and, stuck uh, with them? Uh, on and off, yeah. I mean, they're one of those bands. I think for me, that's that's had moments of genius, and then and then other moments you're just like, mm, I'm not quite quite sure what you're trying to do there. Yeah. But but over, I mean, overall, I mean, you can't deny that they're they're a fantastic band and a, a creative band. And I mean, I, I was lucky enough to support the Chili Peppers with Reverend De- at Nebworth of all places. Wow. We did a, a gig with them there for years ago now. must have been, uh, I can't even think how far, how long ago it was. But yeah, that, that was pretty insane. There was obviously, we were, we were kind of one of the first bands on and it was like a big, big show, but yeah, that was, that was pretty mental. So yeah, managed to obviously got, get, got to meet, meet the guys and, and Flea's a, an amazing guy, you know, um, and just, yeah, uh, watch, so yeah, watching them live was, was pretty special. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it's not every fun. day you get to meet Flea, is it? 
Like, no. There's musicians that you can bump into if you try your hardest, but they're legit rock and roll stars, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, I mean, he's definitely a character. Definitely a character. But I love, I love, but, you know, as with a lot of people that you meet, you think all these kind of big kind of rock stars, you know, they're just lovely normal people at the end of the day, really, a lot of them. Some of them, I think, can be a bit funny, but yeah. particularly Flea and, and, and those, the rest of those guys, they were, they were just dead sound, you know, just normal people doing their job, which happens to be playing in a massive band in front of 150,000 people, you know. It's just, well, that's the nature of it, really. I think we're, we're all... We're all trying to be normal people, at least. <laughs> like, how did it feel the first time, you know, you, you, you played something like a, a, a Nebuff? Obviously, you'd done, you know, or even one of the festivals for the first time, from, you know, getting success and, and, and obviously the size of the venues you play and start to sort of get bigger and bigger. And then, can you remember which was the first time when you walked out onto a stage at a festival or something, or an day like that and just thought, fuck mm. me, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think that that was when Heavyweight had, had kind of dropped that first sort of year, just just before the album had actually come out, and we did Glastonbury for the first time, which I think is is a lot of people's kind of benchmarks for 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 those kind of big kind of blow your yeah. minds at the moments. And I think we were we were booked sort of first or second on the other stage on the Friday, so right at the beginning of the weekend. And yeah, we we walked out, and obviously heavyweight, had, 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 I think, had just gone sort of top ten and everything, and the crowd was just insane, and we were we were just a bit like, well, you know, the seven of us just walking out with our little amps and stuff, and just sort of on this massive stage, just being like, God, what are we doing here, kind of thing. But yeah, the crowd were just huge, and and even at that time in the morning on a Friday, you know, I think it was just, uh, yeah, that that was the first time we were like, oh wow, this is this is this is mental. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, you know, this is, this is different. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, fun. And that, that was like one of those super, super muddy weekends as well at Glastonbury. Oh, right. Just a massive experience in itself. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. But, yeah, that, that was definitely the moment, I think, that, we all kind of just stopped and thought this this isn't your average kind of little club yeah. gig that we've been doing and you know we, we managed to do a gig what the week before to like 150 people sold out in a little club and we thought that was amazing you yeah. know and then suddenly you've got what 10 12,000 people or something on a Friday morning at Glastonbury it's like yeah lovely well let's let's stick with uh, good times and uh, and for track five the song that soundtrack your years clubbing please <laughs> Yeah, I was I was having a good think about this, and the, the problem with this is my my brain's not quite what it was, so I could never remember off the names of any of the songs that we used to 
I always remember listening. I could, I could probably hum them to you, but I couldn't name them. But the, the, the couple that I could remember were kind of from those sort of uh, a bit in Sheffield, sort of in the kind of mid late nineties. There was obviously the big gate crasher scene and everything, and and gate crasher was obviously in Sheffield, the club. Um, was that a bit of you? Sorry, was that a bit of you, or was you sort of finding the sort of you know the indie clubs and things like that? What was what was clubbing for you? <sighs> Well, I, I, traditionally, yeah, I was always an indie kid, always a, sort of an indie kid into sort of, you know, variety of stuff like that and loved my guitar music and everything. But I think at that age, when you start, you know, first going out sort of downtown and everything and, and, and going to sort of proper bars and, and everything, and you kind of just go where the crowd goes, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those. And there were there were certain... I mean, obviously, we had the Leadmill in Sheffield that we used to go to on like a Saturday night, step on all the indie night and everything, and the, the back room at the Leadmill. Uh, on Saturday nights, I don't know if it, even until recently it was, but it was always like Northern Soul and Funk and everything, which I was mad into as well. So I'd always kind of end up in there at some point if we went there. But then there were other nights, like if we were out sort of on like a Tuesday night or a Thursday, everyone went to to to, to sort of um, Gatecrasher at Republic nightclub in Sheffield, and and yeah, there, there was uh, it was that kind of sort of trancey, housey scene. Um, and the, 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 the songs that I can always remember hearing are, are things like Sandstorm by Darude. Um, or that yeah. kind of like, everyone just like, I don't know, collectively just going mental, which was pretty cool. And, and things like, you know, Sash and people like that. And um, I remember once, this, this isn't quite clubbing, but <laughs> I remember once the, there was a, a local park near me where there's, there's a fair ground, a fair used to go, you know, um, and everything once a year kind of thing. And, I remember being on the waltzer once with with a group of mates. We'd go, we like, the hell, let's go on the waltz, let's scream and get them to spin really fast. And I was like, yeah, all right. Never quite had the stomach for them kind of things. And I just remember being sat on this waltzer, being absolutely flung around as like 100 miles an hour, it felt. And uh, on court on foire by Sass was just booming out the speakers. And I'm just like, so ever since then, <laughs> I just, I just almost vomit, you know, it's one of them. But, it's, uh, but yeah, that, those kind of, those kind of things, you know, in, 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 and the clubs were, were sort of the, the kind of the staple sort of track you'd always hear yeah. and everyone kind of get into and, and go mad to. So. Well, for track six, let's take you home. And uh, and it's a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Yeah, so I think thinking of sort of hometown Sheffield, I mean, there's 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 an awful lot of sort of music you can you can choose from. Obviously, there's, there's you know, people like the Monkeys, obviously, um, uh, Pulp. Going back, you've got Joe Cocker and all the kind of, and then the kind of the early sort of eighties, all the electronica stuff. You know, there's there's an awful lot of stuff you can I could have chosen from. But what was the venue, Ed? What was the venue that as like when we played it years ago? And when you go in the basement, it had like a mural along the wall of all the Sheffield bands, like painted. This would have been mid nineties, but I remember sort of seeing like was was Fish from Marillion from Sheffield. Um, I might be wrong, but I remember uh, Jarvis was on there, and there was just trying to think of the other Sheffield bands uh, that were on there. But they were literally like this big sort of painting right oh. along the wall. I'm sure it was it was downstairs, and the and the guy that ran it played guitar on Astral Weeks. Right. Um, <laughs> like yeah, it was a long, long time ago, but I just remember thinking, whatever the venue was, it was amazing, and it was, it was, it was two floors. You walked in, and the main venue was upstairs, and you go downstairs. Was it? It wasn't the boardwalk, was it? I think it was under the boardwalk. Under the, yeah, under the boardwalk. Yeah. yeah, 
Yes, the guy. Yeah, the guy. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, there was the main the boardwalk upstairs, which is like is shut now, unfortunately. It's oh, really? Yeah, it's a real shame because it's an interesting venue because back in the day it was called the it was the Black Swan, so everyone used to call it the Mucky Duck in Sheffield. It was, it was the Mucky Duck, and that's where Joe Cocker played some of his first gigs. It's where I think famously uh, the Clash played one of their first gigs in the boardwalk upstairs. Right, and. Uh, we all, me and myself and John and Alex and Andy from the Monkeys, Alex Turner, we, we worked behind the bar there for a few years in the early days, you know, and obviously there were bands constantly in there. It was that kind of sort of music hub. So it's, that's a really interesting venue. But yeah, underneath, there was underneath, but under the boardwalk. Yeah. Which was, you went around the side and then it was in, yeah. That's right. And yeah, yeah, there was all the, yeah, all, there was stuff all over the walls in there from loads of people. And the, yeah, and the guy used to run it was a guy called, uh, what was his name? Herbie Armstrong, I think he was called. Right. And yeah, he was like an old old musician dude. He was so getting he, on a bit then. Like. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he'd, if he'd have been the kind of person that would play on Astral Week, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's just my memory of like venues in, in Sheffield was, was, yeah, was yeah, that, yeah. that night in, in there. Well, um, yeah, I should, uh, we, we've actually sort of like spun off on a tangent then. You haven't actually mentioned <laughs> the, uh, the artist right, that you're going to so, pick. So yeah, the artist. Yeah, so um, it's almost kind of looping back as well to to one of the earlier earlier songs um, from the Long Peaks, and so I've, I've chosen a track by Richard Hawley as um, a song that is just one of the most gorgeous bits of music and lyrical work. And I just every time I hear it, I just I just have to stop and listen to it. Um, it's uh, it's such a good song from one of his his earlier solo records called Low Edges. Um, it's a song called You Don't Miss Your Water, Brackets, Till Your River Run, Runs Dry. What a beautiful um, And it's just, yeah, it's just gorgeous. The, the music is phenomenal. The lyrical sentiment is just gorgeous. And his, he, his voice just sounds like velvet, you know. It's just, it's amazing. And I think, I think sort of from a more personal point of view and where I'm at now, so with the kind of solo record and, and moving forward with that, you know, Richard's a huge influence on all that and, I think to not sort of mention him in this context would be would be remiss, you know. So I think yeah. I think I've definitely got to got to choose that one. But I mean that 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 whole album, in fact, the Low Edges album, for me is I think his 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 best sort of collective work. You know, he's obviously had lots of songs over the years from from various albums that excuse me that are, you know, are wonderful. But I think that as an album, I think it's just it's just it's just stunning. You know, it's yeah. really good. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree yeah. more. Um, for the last track. Ed, you get to um, you get to be a DJ, and uh, and it's a song that many may not know that you would mm. like them to hear. Yeah, so this is this is um, a song that uh, again, it's one of my favourite songs by a, a friend of mine who um, is he's, he's originally originally from Warrington, randomly, but had been in Sheffield for years. Um, was in sort of different bands in Sheffield in a band called Little Z for a while who I think did pretty well supported Kasabian and stuff in their early days and um, he's just a, a great songwriter and an amazing uh, singer um, and he actually sang on one of these songs on the State of Things Reverend first Reverend album uh, he was the, the guy who sang the really really high bit on Armchair Detective right at the end oh, when he really? comes he's, he's doing that because none of, the, none of the rest of us could get anywhere near it um, so he was knocking like Sheffield classic Sheffield you know he was knocking around so oh, I'll come down and sing this for us and he did so and he's just a, a great guy um, and he's, he's made a couple of albums um, under his own name 
they are both on Spotify, and I, I implore anybody to go and listen to them because there's some, some great tunes. But this this particular song um, is is an absolute favourite of mine, and I've, I've always endeavoured that I'll, I'll do a cover of it one day myself because I just I just think people need to hear it a bit more. And it's it's a song called Angie by a guy called Mike Hughes. Um, it's just it's just beautiful. I mean, the, the 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 chorus is just so kind of yeah, it just soars and yeah, it's just great. Really nice. We put together a Spotify playlist, Ed, to accompany the podcast uh, with uh, all the songs that we've spoke about today. And, uh, and, and so it give everybody a chance to, to check that out. Um, as we, you know, start this year in, in a quite a, a, you know, a, a strange situation, and let, let's, let's remain hopeful that, you know, things are going to change as, as the yeah. year unfolds. Um, what are you looking forward to? personally and what are you doing professionally um personally uh looking forward to um being able to go to the pub first and foremost um hug people which should be pretty pretty amazing i think uh <laughs> it's just it's just strange isn't it that, that you, you kind of crave something like that that kind of personal like close contact you know when you when you bump into someone in the street you don't have to shout at them from across the road you can walk over, you know, in the traditional style and, you know, shake the hand and give them a little little hug, things like that, you know, there's just a little, going as we were talking right at the beginning of this, you know, that kind of human kind of connection with people. Um, I'm not, I'm not I can't do this elbow thing. I just, it, yeah, I can't do, do it, I mean, It's just, I'd rather just sort of be like, yeah, all right, and um, wave and walk off. Kind of thing. But yeah, so I think I think most people feel that way. You know, I don't think that's a unique feeling on a personal level. Um, and and yeah, professionally, obviously, I just want to sort of get this album out. Um, I said we've had to put it back again, unfortunately, which was the last thing I kind of wanted to do. But I think you know, it just just at the minute, I think there's there's no there's no mad rush to put to, to just to put it out there. Because, you know, because it's been a while waiting, you know, let's just, what's another two months in all this, you know, let's, so to, yeah, to put that out, see how that goes. I mean, the reaction so far to, to the to the music that I've put out and everything's been been amazing. I've, I've been absolutely made up with it. So, you know, to be able to get that out and, and hopefully, you know, do some geeks, get out there and, and play for people, you know, and, and, and do the thing that arguably, I think for me anyway, as a musician, that's what I love doing most, you know, playing live and, and, and and getting out there, so that's that's kind of the plan, you know, to try and try and get that done, really. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? And if people want to kind of get a taste of what they can expect from the record, like where, where's the best place to sort of, you know, get access to to anything that you've put out and and to stay up to date on on, on what's happening? Yeah, so obviously there's. Uh, I think I've I've just released the third uh, the third single from the from the record, so they're all on Spotify and Amazon and Deezer, wherever else you, whatever streaming platform you use, they're all on there. Um, if you go to my website, which is just edcousins.com, you can pre-order the album and everything. And there's there's loads of other kind of goodies and all the usual stuff, t-shirts and mugs and face masks. I've got a little fake mask, face mask coming out, you know. So not, but although by the time it actually gets out there, we'll probably not have to use them anymore. <laughs> well, let's hope so. But there you, well, yeah, exactly. I'll, I won't mind that. I won't mind that. I'll, I'll, I'll have a box of face masks sat in the corner of living room for the rest of the time. It'll be all right. It's fine. Um, yeah, so, yeah, just all that. Yeah, just check it out. And there's, there's, we've, we've done some, some pretty cool videos as well, which is like a little sort of mini short film. Um, where there's four videos that make up a, 
I kind of like a little story that the third one again has just come out. So they're all on my YouTube channel. So check them out because the, the guys who helped us do them, a little shout out to them. Um, a, a director called Dan Thorburn and Flat Cat Films, they were amazing. And the, the two guys who, who were in it, the actors and dancers, were just, yeah, amazing. So check them out as well. And they can okay. find out all of that stuff at edcousins.com. Yeah, if you go if you go on on edcousins.com or yeah or on any of my Twitter or whatever the, the links are all are all on there. Yeah. So, Will you call if we tag you in everything when we put this out on the socials? Uh, you yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. By all means, by all means, please do, please do, and I'll uh, I'll retweet and do all the rest of it. Wonderful, Ed. Thanks so much for your time today, mate. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure point, talking records with yeah, you, mate. You too, you too, mate. All right, have a nice day. Thanks again, mate. Thank Stay safe, mate. Bye bye. There you go. Ed Cousins, thank you very much. What an absolute gent. Um, oh, do you know what? I, I could have really, really dug in on uh, on some Sheffield chat. I just love the kind of the community. It sounds like, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody. You know, pop in, you know, you ought to sing on this. And I, I love that. I love that community angle of of uh, that exists in, in, in so many sort of cities with, with musicians and, and, and all seem very, very fiercely proud of um, of their of their hometown and, and, and scene. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you enjoyed this episode, then go and have a, a rummage in the uh, the archives because, uh, you know, if you like your, your indie music, then I've spoken to probably over 100 of uh, your favourite indie bands and uh, musicians. So go and have a, a look in the archives there because I'm sure you'll find uh, many chats that you'll think, oh, that could be a good one. Um, and yeah, and also, like I said, at the beginning as well, if you'd like to support the podcast, then um, there's two ways you can do it. You can, if you're listening via ACAST, you can go on there and, and, and tip if you wish to. Uh, there's no pressure to do that, of course. This is a free podcast. Um, if you'd like some more content, you can also go over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash off the beat and track podcast dot com. Um, yeah, go and, have a, go and have a little look over it. I've just said the address wrong it's patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track um but you can find out about all of these things links to everything uh at off the beat and track podcast.com right i'm done have a lovely week and i will see you next time thank you bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out. 
because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat it,